0: Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor here, man. We're really glad you're worshiping with us. Uh, We started a series last week, just a real short one. We just kind of spend some time just kind of working through some different parts of our mission statement, kind of who we are as a church, kind of some themes that are just kind of foundational to uh, who we are as a church and really Christian life. Uh, we talked about loving God, loving people, and next week we'll wrap it up talking about making disciples, which are kind of three core components of who we are and really are just kind of foundational to say, what does it really mean to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean to be part of the Grove Church, right? So we we're talking about this. We talk about it pretty much every year, and this year, as I was thinking about this, you know, the the question that gets asked Jesus of, of Jesus in this passage that we're going to look at, like, what's the what's the greatest thing, the greatest commandment, what's the greatest thing that you can do? I've just been thinking about that a lot. And I was thinking about it like with, with regards to my family, right? With regards to my family, I'm like, what is, what is the greatest thing, just say as a parent, what is the greatest thing that I can do for my kids as a parent? Um, and, you know, depending on your, you know, your, your personality bent, your skill set or whatever, typically I think, you know, there's kind of a couple of primary answers that people will give to that. The first thing is I can, okay, um, you know, best thing I can do is I can, I can provide for them. I can make sure that, you know, I, I earn enough money so that they can have the things that they need and, and that they want, you know, that's what I can do. I can provide for them financially, other people may think in terms of kind of more, you know, hands-on kind of provision. It's like I need to make sure that they're, that they're clean, that they're, that they're well-fed, that the house is clean. There's things that I can do. So I, that's the best thing. That's the best thing that I can do for my family. And sometimes I think that that's what we do. We, we immediately go to, as parents, we go to, to tasks. These are the things that I need to do for them, and that's the best thing that I can do. And, and, but here's the thing. Let's just imagine, you know, so you get that into your head. Provision is the best thing that I can do. Provision is the best thing that I can do. And so you end up working more hours, and when you are there, you come back more stressed, and you get less great connection with your kids. And my guess is that there are probably plenty of us here in this room that would say, I would have traded a certain amount of our income level um, in our home for a, a better relationship with my parents. You know, and I think they are probably some of us the same way that would say that I I, I would have eaten more leftovers, I would have s- suffered a, a slightly dirtier um, house. I mean, obviously there's like a you know, there's a there's a there's a balance there somewhere, right? I mean, but I would I would I would have I would have settled for that for a less stressed out parent that I could connect with, because the reality of it is the the best thing that you can do, regardless of your role in the family, parent, kid, sibling husband, wife, whatever. The best thing that you can do is is love your family. To have good, healthy relationships with them. Because much deeper than we are physical beings that need provision and shelter, we are relational beings who crave and desire deep, intimate relationships. And so then it makes sense. It makes sense that when Jesus was asked What is the greatest commandment in the law that he would go to relational commandments? So this passage we're going to be looking at in Matthew chapter 22, I think it's important. And and, and I don't know if if, if it's familiarity with the passage or whatever, um, but I, I try to make sure that my familiarity with this passage doesn't diminish it. Because we say here that we follow Jesus, that we're Christ followers, that we're Christians. And so what that means is is that what Jesus says is true and what he says we should do, we, we, we try to follow that. And there is this passage in the Bible where that same Jesus, the Son of God, is asked, what is the most important thing you can do? What is the greatest thing that you can do? And he answers that question. And whatever this is, whatever these answers are, must be foundational to who we are as a church and who we are as individuals. So here we go, Matthew chapter 22, we're going to start in verse 36. "'Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law?' Jesus replied, "'Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments.'" So Mark kicked this off last week. He was talking about loving God. What does it mean to love God with awe? It was a really incredible message. If you missed it, I encourage you to um, check out our, our podcast or our Facebook page, and you'll be able to see that. Um, but there's, there's several things about this passage just in general that kind of strike me. Is the first one is the commandments that he gives aren't typically the kinds of things that we think of when we think of Bible commands. In fact, we're going to do a quiz. Like okay, Real quick, I want you to come up, write down three Bible commands. I mean, the things that you're going to go to, I mean, people are like, okay, I got one, don't murder. Don't murder, don't lie. We immediately go to don't do's. Maybe we think about some things that we should do. Um, but most of us go to kind of, we go to tasks. The same thing I say, what's the best thing you can do for your family? We go to tasks. What's the best thing that you can do for God? We go to tasks. But these aren't task answers. And then the, and then the, and then the second observation kind of about this passage is that he, he was only asked one, but he said these two, man, they, they were so close together. They're so, they're so knitted together. I've got to give you both of them. Because he says the second is just like the first one, loving God with everything. And the third thing is, as I love this thing he says at the end, he says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And Mark talked about this last week. He talked about it being a, a hanger that, that everything goes on. So the idea being is that everything else in the Bible is simply just a description of what these two things are like. If you will just love God and love people, you do that well. I mean, the rest of the Bible and the commandments are kind of helping you explain how to do that. Good examples, bad examples, specifics. But really it's about I'm going to live a life that shows my love for God and I'm going to live my life in such a way that I'm loving other people. Everything else just comes from that. And so when we focus on the tasks, even if they're the right tasks, but we miss out on this, we're missing out on the most important thing. But if we can focus well on these two things, loving God and loving others, and she says, everything else just kind of just flows out of that. And so again, Mark talked about loving God, and today we're talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. And um, you know, if, if, it, if, if all that Jesus was trying to communicate, hey, you need to love God and you need to, to love other people, he could have said that in any number of ways. But you know, in the love your, loving God, he talks about all, 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 just just jumps out at you. And in loving others, I mean, he could have said, hey, you need to love other people fully. You need to love people deeply. You need to serve people. He could have said any number of things to communicate the same basic idea. But what he said was, you need to love your neighbor as yourself you need to love your neighbor the same way that you love you and this this hit me just kind of several years ago that we just kind of skip past that part and just think okay you need to love people let's talk about what love means but i think there's something to this idea of thinking through okay what would it really mean for me to love somebody the way that i love myself and so that's kind of the question we're going to ask her today how do i love someone like i love myself how, how, how do I do that? What does that really mean? And for us, we're going to have to kind of think a little bit about it. What does it really mean when I say that I love myself? Now, some people, you hear that, it's like, you need to love people the way you love myself. And people are like, sweet, I don't like me at all, so I'm kind of off the hook. I don't like me, I think I'm kind of a jerk, I think people are jerks, and so I'm coming even. You could give me a high bar, but since I don't love me that much, it's a pretty low bar. I'm just going to, you know, say ugly things about you, the same things I say about myself. And then you feel like you win. But you can't get out of it that way. You can't get out of it that way. Though I I do get that. I do get that basic idea. I mean, there's no greater critic of me than me. No one calls me worse names than I call myself. No one thinks, um, uh, criticizes and critiques the things that I do and say more harshly than me. It would be impossible. Cumulatively, I don't think all the people in the world could do that. So I get get that concept, but it's not the same. It's not the same for me to say that there are times I don't like myself. There are times that um, I wish I were better and I feel disappointed or whatever. And to say that I don't truly and really kind of deeply, fully love myself. Because let's be honest, I really do. I love me a lot. I I, know, I'm, I'm... for the most part, pretty sober-minded about my, my strengths and weaknesses. But, I, man, I love me. Man, I just, I, I, I do. And, there, and, and I don't need any help in that either, right? So we have a, a week, last week. Hey, hey, reminder, you need to love God, and this is what it looks like. This week, hey, right, reminder, we need to love people, and this is what it looks like. We don't ever have to do the other one, guys. You need to make sure that you love you. We, we, don't, we don't have to do that because it is instinctive. We may not be very good at it sometimes, but it's very instinctive. I want to love me, and I do love me. I'm my favorite person. It's the person I spend the most time with. It's the person I think about the most. I mean, there's all these things that are true, right? But there's some ways that I think that if we can kind of dive deep into some of the ideas of what it really means about how, how we love ourselves. How, how do we love ourselves? Because if we, if, if we can think about that, how I love me, and what would it look like if I took the same approach to the way that I think about and care for me, and I and I and I gave those things to other people? I think that would give us a great picture of what I believe that Jesus is is calling us to. So we're going to look at kind of a couple things here, and the first one is this: How do I love someone the way that I love myself? The so first thing we'll say is that I always act in what I believe is my own best interest. I always do. Now, I'm not going to say, and maybe I should have been more precise with the wording on the slide, right? It's not that everything that I do is, is in my best interest, but when I do it, I believe that it is. I, I always think this is the thing that's best for me. On my worst days, I think about what is the thing I most want to do. And, you know, those are my worst days. On my best days, I think what is best for me, but I'm always doing the thing that I, that I feel like I, I should do, Right? And so if I have two choices, like, well, this one actually will be really good for me. This one actually will be harmful for me. Um, I don't, I, I, I'm going to choose the one that's good for me every time. I mean, I may ultimately be wrong and be like, dummy, that was the wrong one. And then I get in stuff myself in the name calling, and I think that I don't like myself that much. And then I think, I, anyways. Um, but the reality of it is, is that I, I always do what I think. Is in my own best interest? Sometimes, sometimes I'm wrong, but that's, that's, that's what I do. What would it look like if the people that God had placed around you, you were thinking proactively, what is the best thing that I could do for them? God puts this person in your life, whether it's a family, a friend, someone that you work with, someone you go to school with, or a, a, a random person that you have an encounter with. And you think, what do I need to do in this situation? Well, I need to do the thing that is in their best interest. Not what's in my best interest, but what's in their best interest. What would, what would that even look like? And it's actually, it's actually kind of weird to even think about. It's so instinctive for us to think in every situation, what's in this for me? What's good for me? How does this help me? What do I want? What do I need? What am I going to do? what would it look like to think the opposite and say, okay, I'm in this relationship with this person. What do they need? What is, the, what, is, what is the best for them? And to act that way. Because here's the thing that I'm afraid of. What I'm afraid of is I think that most of us are kind of living life as if we're in the Truman Show Anybody, I mean, it's, it's, an old, it's an old movie. You know? It's like it's so old that I, I mean, I owned it on VHS. I mean, that's how old this thing is, right? It's an older, it's an older movie, right? It, really, it has Jim Carrey in it, and for those of you who don't know, he, he basically, is, as a as a newborn, is adopted by this television studio, and is essentially placed into a reality show where he has parents and friends and school, all these things, and and there's a camera on him twenty-four. All these cameras on him twenty-four-seven. And essentially everyone in his life is an actor. And his whole world is essentially created for him. Everything in this world, everyone is designed to serve and and, and take care of of him. So even to the point, I think about this one scene where, you know, he's over in this side of town and and there's all these other actors over here who are waiting for him to get there. And they're all just kind of paused like this. And once he enters in, then they, then they start living. Their only real function in this world revolves around Truman. And I'm afraid that many of us are living that life, where we believe that essentially everyone else's life is essentially on pause until they interact with me. And when they interact with me now, okay, now now you're living out your purpose. Right, And your purpose is to do for me, to do something for me, to help me, to serve me. What can I get from you? What can you do for me? And so when I think of you, I think of you in terms of me. I don't think of you in terms of you. Now, that's crazy extreme, and I say it extreme enough where you can kind of think, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not like that. <laughs> but, but in fact, we are. Where we just, we, we really do begin to believe after time, over time, that, that, that this revolves around me. But what if, in fact, the opposite is true? What if you're one of the actors in everyone else's Truman Show? And where God has placed you in their life to give them what they need in that moment? And so that's the way that I love me. I love me in such a way where I'm always doing the thing that is for my best and that is the way that God is wanting us to interact with other people. Not terms of thinking about what, what you can do for me but how God and why God has placed me in your life in this time and what is it he wants me to do for you. So how do I, how do I love myself? I act in my own interests. But also the way that I love myself is that I always believe the best in me. I always believe the best in me. So let's just be clear about something. There is no one in this world who has hurt me more than me. Right? We clear about that? You know, you know that, right? You know that about you, right? That there is no one who has done more damage to you physically, emotionally, than you. The, you, you are a product of your own worst decisions, I don't think that cumulatively all the other people in the world have done more damage to me than I've done to me. I mean, no one has, I mean, I just, like, I, I hurt myself, I do stupid things. In fact, in fact, there was this time in my life where um, um, people would come up to me, and they'd be laughing. <laughs> I'm like, what? It's like, dude, I think about, it. do you remember that time when you said... And I was just like, oh, no. Because I knew whatever was about to come out of their mouths was going to be something I wish I hadn't said. And, I, and I'm trying to think about what, I'm my brain's going, what is he about to say? Like, He's coming to me, okay, Joe's coming to me, and I'm sitting here with Tim. It's that thing I said about Tim. He's going to remind me of that thing that I said about this guy and he thinks it's going to be funny and Tim is going to think that I oh know. He says, yeah, man, yesterday we were hanging out and you were saying that thing about him. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. And I just think, man, how is it that I'm always doing this? I'm always just popping my mouth off and hurting people and it just makes me feel, I think, why am I like this, right? So I make a decision, right? I made, decision, I made a decision, I made a decision, I just don't want that to happen anymore. I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. I want, I want to speak in a way that's going to encourage other people, that's going to help other people. <coughs> but I'm my own worst enemy. But here's the thing that I always believe, no matter what dumb thing I've done, no matter how many I, I, I hurt this person, I hurt this person. I hurt. I'm hurting myself. I'm involved in this sin, and I'm and I, I'm 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 being sharp or rude to my to my wife or to my kids. But I never think, man, you're just a jerk and completely and totally irredeemable. What what is wrong? You're the worst person ever. I think, man, you know, I'm just I'm just stressed. I'm just stressed, and there's some things going on, but. I, I know in my heart that I'm a good person and that I'm going to get better and, and I, 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 didn't really, I didn't really mean those things. I mean, how many times have you said that in a conversation where someone is upset with you? It's like, well, I, I didn't mean it that way. I, I meant it this way. And, and it, it was just, you, you're taking it the wrong way. In fact, if you, if you look at it from this way, this thing that I said isn't nearly as bad. In fact, it's probably Good. So I put on these lenses that say, you should see me, I see me in the best possible light. But now, you. That thing you said, that shows that deep down in your character, you're a horrible person and I think you should do penance. And so... What happens then is like I, I could use an example from my family, which would be too personal and be too vulnerable. So we'll do the thing that I do when I want to deflect from that. We'll talk about other drivers. <laughs> How many of you people have ever had somebody cut you off and you think and you think, like, like it's legitimately personal? They did that to me on purpose. Bunch of liars. Shame filled liars can't tell the truth in church. You all do like, you're doing this to me, right? Just, it, which is crazy. You know, I mean, you're on your phone checking text messages, pulling out in front of people all the time, but you're, 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 a, great, you're a great driver, even though you're on your phone. But they are, they're like a menace to society, right? <laughs> the reality of it is, I do this to my wife. She'll, um, she'll say something to me out of anxiety or stress. It doesn't have anything to do with me. And what is the first thing that I do? I make it about me. I haven't even done anything to you and, and you're sitting here talking to me this way. Why would you even talk to me this way? What is wrong with you? Is there something wrong with Did I do something? Just all these I, I, I thing. I mean, how, you know, what kind of person would even talk to someone this way? I haven't even done anything to you and you're talking to me this way. I do the same thing to her. It's like, oh, it doesn't have anything to do with you. I was just stressed at work. and I'm So, I, 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 she, she, I. so she's terrible and I'm fine. And so what she does, she does this thing to hurt me, and I view it as like, well, this is personal and she's vindictive, and so then I do the thing that I do, which is I begin to pout and, and passive aggressively punish her for, for, for some period of time. That'll show her. I'm just gonna sit on my chair and look at my iPad until <laughs> she realizes who she really has hurt. What does she really need from me? Well, she's hurt and she's stressed and there's a lot going on in her heart and life. And maybe I don't even know the thing that happened to her today that has led her to kind of come home this way. And what she needs is love and encouragement and a voice and a platform to talk about what's going on with her life. And, And I see her through the lenses of an awesome person who needs love rather than a bad person who's out to get me. And the reality of it is I have these lenses on me all the time. I'm an awesome person who makes mistakes. The people who hurt me are terrible people and vindictive and worthy of my passive-aggressive or sometimes just full-out aggressive punishment. What if, I, the, what if the lenses and the grace that I give to me, the excuses that I naturally give to me, what if I give those same lenses and perspective to the people in my life? So I act in my own interest I believe the best in me. And finally, I always give me another chance. There's never been one time where I've been like, you know, I think I'm I'm done with him. Charlie, you've been leading this ship for quite a while. You're no longer good at decision making. It's been been obvious for a while. And I just don't know if I want to be in a relationship with you anymore. And clearly, at a minimum, I'm not going to let you make decisions. So what we're going to do is we're going to buy a magic eight ball and all of our decisions now, we're just going to shake the little thing, and that's what we're going to decide because I'm done with you. You're an idiot, and you're not, you're not redeemable, and you're never going to get it, ever. You know, every, every, every mistake that I make, every sin that I get involved in, every bit of damage that I do to myself, I always come back around and I say, all right, buddy, we'll, we'll, we'll do it better next time. Learn from that, get better, get healthier, understand, and 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 do better. Always another chance. Always. Always believe the best. Always give me another chance. Let's just be honest. Forgiveness is hard. It's hard. Giving somebody a second chance is hard. Giving somebody a third chance, it just it just it's exponentially worse. It's not easy to do, except when you're showing love to you. Then suddenly it's easy. And if we could take that same grace and love and compassion that we give to ourselves and give it to someone else, and I'm not going to continue to hold these grudges against you. Now I want to make sure I'm clear about something because I never I, I talk about forgiveness and I talk about it in what I would say are fairly extreme or intense ways and I don't ever want to, do, to get con, to get confused. Really, at this point, I'm really talking about these kind of mandatory relationships that you have in your life, your spouse, your family. Uh, your, your, your closest friends, right? I mean, there's no point in which you can say, I don't, I don't want you to be my, my, my daughter anymore. I don't want you to be my wife anymore. I can't, I can't, you can't really do that. But there are some optional relationships in your life where I would encourage you to forgive, but it doesn't mean that you don't move on. Because so, sometimes a really bad boyfriend can say something along the lines of, oh, I know I've hurt you, but I just want you to give me one more chance. God wants you to give me one more chance. Jesus said, we've got to give one more chance. I'm going to give you chances over there. Right, Get, you, you don't have to keep that. So these, and we're trying to evaluate whether or not someone wants to be a, a, like an intimate partner or a, um, a a best friend. We forgive, but that doesn't mean we don't kind of move them out a level and kind of in our circle. Right. So don't. Some, sometimes this gets. I don't. We never want this to be justified for uh, abuse of some kind. But the reality of it is that most of the unforgiveness that's happening in our heart does not rise to the level of physical or emotional abuse, but is really just about a very selfish approach to life that says, hurting me rises to a different standard than me hurting me or me hurting you. But the reality is is that God is calling us to have a perspective that says... I'm gonna give people another chance. Because, I mean, there's some extreme things that Jesus said. Saying love your neighbor as yourself is a pretty extreme statement. Forgive others the way God has forgiven you is a pretty extreme statement. These are are things that kind of call us to a really, really high bar. But the reality of it is, what Jesus said was, if we do these two things well, then everything else, everything else will flow out of this. It is the foundational piece of your life. It it is the thing that will give you the most clarity of purpose. Even if I were to encourage you today, okay, guys, for this one message, I'm going to tell you to do something incredibly selfish, to act exclusively in your own interest. I would tell you to do the very same thing because this is the thing that helps us be who we were designed to be and live life to the fullest. I am in a right relationship with my Creator who has given everything to me, and I'm living a life by design of what God has called me to do, which is to be in relationship and to be a servant of those around me. Because if we can figure out these two things, then all these other things that you come in here stressed about, you're probably like, I wish we'd talk about this today. I wish we'd talk about this today. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. If you do those two things well, then what you'll find is that everything kind of hangs on those two. But we spend so much time stressed over here, worrying about these things, but I'm not, I'm not getting my relationship with God right first. And I'm not living my life like a servant. It'd be, imagine how, how many, it'd be, it'd be amazing, right? How many of your selfish concerns would go away if you just thought a little bit differently about the people that God put in your life? They're not here for me, I'm here for them. So let's just spend some time, just asking, thinking, praying. Now, what would it take, God, for me to kind of just put on these different lenses and be able to love deeper and better? And so there's a couple of things, a couple of, you know, kind of, you know, application points I would love to shoot at you. And it's the things that we talk about all the time. You know, we're sitting here kind of going back to the foundation of kind of what it means to be a follower of God, which is to be in right relationship with God and good relationships with other people. And the way that we can do that here is you're never going to be able to do something as hard as this by yourself. I mean, obviously by definition, you can't love other people well by yourself. And we have to, for some of us, we're going to have to stop being so isolated. And we're going to have to step out there. And I encourage you to find a community. And here we we have these small groups and they're launching in in, in a couple of weeks. And I encourage you to get around a group of people who can encourage you to be this best version of you, to get in the right relationships with other people. I encourage you to get around these people who can encourage you to be in right relationship with God, to be in these kind of healthy relationships. But I encourage you to find yourself a small group. Second, I would encourage you to find a place where you can serve. And um, that, that can be in your community in some way, some way that you, you, know, you can serve the poor, serve in missions for people who are, who are far from God, serving in your neighborhood. There's lots of different ways. But I encourage you also to find a place to serve here. Because too many of us, I think, come to church with a, with a Truman Show kind of mentality. What is this place going to do for me today? And we're glad to do that. We are glad to serve you and hope you have an incredible encounter with God and are challenged in your life. But what if you also came with here with the attitude of what, what can I do to give to someone? As you've seen all these Grove Kids shirts everywhere and, and signs and donuts and all these kinds of things. I mean, what an, what an incredible thing to do. Guess what I did today? I, I feel like the, the God of the universe spoke to me today and grew me and then I was able to invest in the life of a kid The healthiest people I know are the people who are both growing in their relationship with God and also giving their life away. So I encourage you, these really kind of, this basic foundational sermon that we do some very foundational, basic church applications to them. I'm going to find a small group, I'm going to get connected well there, and I'm going to find a place to serve. So as always, we have response time. There's lots of things. Our prayer team is back there. We'd love to pray with you if you need that. Um, the communion is available. Um, there's prayer candles. There's a cross where you can pray. We're going to be worship. We're going to give. I just encourage you to kind of take some of these tangible responses towards God. And let's pray for each other that we will be defined individually as a church as, as, as a group of people who love well. Let me pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for bringing us here today. God, I thank you for your son Jesus and these incredible words. God, I thank you didn't leave us to try to figure it out on our own what the greatest things that we can do are. I thank you that that your son told us. And God, I thank you that it's true and that it's real and that when we live it, God, we experience you and life at a deeper way. And God, I thank you even more than all of that, for the incredible demonstration of that love that your son Jesus showed, not just by coming here and teaching us, but by giving his life to us on the cross. And I pray that as we're sitting here talking about the basics and the foundation, that we would start there by putting our faith, our trust, and our hope fully in you through your son Jesus Christ and embracing the forgiveness and life that he offers. And so God, now I pray that we would respond by loving you with everything that we are and loving others the way that we love ourselves. And God, we ask that your spirit would give us guidance, the strength, and the power to do and be and become the men and women you have called us to be. And it's in your son's name that we pray, amen.